Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates, Send in the Clowns, The Phoenix Tube Company, CelebrityTrips.com, The Law Firm of Decalator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and Relish Restaurant of Kings Park. Here are your hosts, Mark and A.J. Joining us now is a man who 17 years ago was the 95th pick overall in the draft by the New York Rangers. He has worn 10 different NHL jerseys in his 12 seasons in the NHL. He was a key to the New York Rangers' deep 2014 playoff run. It marked the third time he reached the Eastern Conference Finals in his career. He finally reached the Stanley Cup Finals after scoring the only goal of Game 6 against the Montreal Canadiens, sending the Rangers to their first final in 20 years. This past month, he signed a one-year deal to return for his second stint with the Toronto Maple Beliefs. It is a thrill to welcome the pride of the Harvard Crimson, Dominic Moore, to Sports Talk New York. Welcome, Dom. Thanks for having me, guys. It's our pleasure. And AJ was tempted to try and get you to sing the Harvard fight song, okay. but I told him we're not going to go there. Yeah, not this time. Not this time. It's more of a band thing anyway. Than <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. You know, before we talk about what should be an exciting time to be a Maple Leaf, let's talk about an event that you host every summer. This year's edition was held last month, and to date, for six years now, uh, it's Smash Fest. It, it was raised over five hundred thousand dollars since two thousand twelve to benefit concussion and rare cancer research. Smash Fest is a charitable ping pong event where guests party with over twenty five NHL players and have the opportunity to square off with and against them in Smash Fest Pro Am Doubles Tournament, which AJ is already telling me that we must go. There next year, but not to play. Uh, I might want to play. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. We're not going to do well. So tell us a little bit about merging of ping pong and the charity, and how it has grown to the proportions where it is right now. Well, thanks. I mean, you guys explained well what it is. It's basically a party, but ping pong is the theme. And you know, years ago we had the idea of trying to uh, bring some of the locker room culture out. Uh, you know, ping pong is a big part of NHL locker rooms. A lot of guys love to play. A lot of guys love to trash talk. And, uh, you know, Marty St. Louis in our Ranger days, we used to, to battle it out uh, and have lots of fun with it. And we thought, you know, why wouldn't we Why wouldn't we bring this to the fans, let them see the size of players? And with the help of the NHLPA uh, six years ago, we put it together and weren't sure what to expect. And it was received incredibly well, and it's continued to grow uh, you know, it's amazing what it's become now with the support of the sponsors and the players that come every year. Uh, you know, if you go onto the website, smashfest.ca, you can see some of the, the past videos we've done to get a feel of what the event's about, including one that's uh, a fan point of view video where there's uh, a very special Ranger fan that, that joined the party uh, two years ago. And uh, you can kind of see what the event is all about from that. You actually had players come up to you during TV timeouts in <laughs> NHL games and say, "Can I play in this tournament?" It's uh, it's amazing, uh, you know how it's grown. It's it's a well-known event now among the players, and uh, I'm I'm obviously honored uh, and extremely grateful for the guys that take time out of their busy summer to be a part of it. And uh, you know we were fortunate again to have 25 plus guys take part. If you just tuned in, we're talking to Toronto Maple Leaf Dominic Moore. Over the years, who would you say the best ping pong player is in the NHL in the various locker rooms? Maybe not guys that have made it up to Smash Fest because obviously you've got a, a triple crown winner over the last three years. But uh, who's who's the best guy that you've played against thus far in your career? Well, there's been a few. I mean, so back in the day, Stefan Veilloux, he's a former Smash Fest winner. He was one of the best. He used to change out of his. Uh, 
you know, hockey clothes into basically uh, headbands and, you know, <laughs> knee-high socks to, to play for hours after practice. He was uh, a great player. And, uh, you know, the, my most most favorite player to play against was, was Marty St. Louis for sure. I mean, we, we played together in Tampa and again in New York, and uh, he was always up for a game. And uh, especially if he be losing, which was most of the time, he would uh, want to keep playing more and more until he finally tired me out and won one so uh then he would quit though so that that's that's all part of the fun and uh marty's a smash fest attendee as well so uh it, it's a lot of fun i saw a little a lot of trash talking back and forth prior to the event and marty wasn't there this year but you know he's got an open invitation right <laughs> oh he sure does and uh, i saw him recently and uh, we were already talking about uh you know the fact that hopefully it works out next year although he's he's a big busy hockey coaching dad right. at the moment, so uh, he's got a lot on his plate. More importantly, even though the event was held last month, doesn't mean that people cannot still get involved or make donations, correct? Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, if you go to, you know, smashfest.ca, uh, first and foremost, definitely check it out and, you know, see what the event's all about and uh, um, watch some of the videos there and, and get excited about it. Uh, it. It's a lot of fun, and uh, there is there is a tab for those who want to support the charity uh, in whatever way they 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 see fit, and uh, we're very grateful for for everyone's contributions, uh, be it big or small. How how do you pick the chair? You know the research that will benefit. Do you is there a committee? Do you do that just so people understand what they give to and where it goes and how it gets chosen? Yeah, I mean there, there's uh, the foundation has a board, and we have some scientific advisors that are part of that board, and. Uh, we we take that very seriously in terms of how the money is spent. Obviously, cancer uh, research is crucial, but uh, sometimes it can feel like uh, you know the money is a drop in the bucket. And uh, we we took painstaking efforts to make sure we were spending it uh, get the most bang for our buck. And uh, we were fortunate to find um, and partner with one of the leading labs in the world. It's an independent lab. Uh, uh, actually out of Boston, called the Broad Institute, associated with uh, MIT and Harvard. And, uh, you know, we put together a unique and new project with them for rare cancer research. Uh, rare cancers need uh, basically uh, all the help they can get. They, they don't have a ton of uh, ammo in their corner, and so uh, we were very proud to, to, to create that project with the Broad Institute, and uh, that was something we were proud to, to highlight this year. Next year will mark us Smash Fest Seven, correct? That's correct. And yep. how um, in, how far in advance does the date get set? Because AJ and I are already talking about it, and we definitely don't want to get shut out. We don't want to get sold out. Yes. So we want to mark it on a calendar when we we can buy our tickets to get up there. Yes. So I would say that the date is not you know announced until probably six months before the event. Uh, but uh, it's always around the third week in July, and it's, it's always a Thursday night. So if you look at the past years, it's always been around July 20th to 26th, somewhere in there. Um, and uh, that's, that's the general vicinity of when it is. It's, it's a great time for, for everyone. Uh, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a fun event. If you're coming from out of town, uh, Toronto is, is usually beautiful that time of year. 
So if AJ and I can find somewhere in our house, meanwhile our sons are both at 28, 29, so most of the ping pong balls that were around their house have been stolen to play beer pong, but we'll try and find them and and we'll try to get up there next year. So now we mentioned in the open about your run with the Rangers to your first cup final in your career. As a free agent, you have the opportunity to weigh a lot of options. As a veteran player, how much do you analyze what the potential team's odds to make a deep run are when you narrow down that choice to finally sign with a team? Uh, to, you know, probably the, the biggest part of it. Obviously, you, you never, uh, you know, you never have a, a sure bet on anything. Uh, the league's too good. There's too many good teams to know, but you, you certainly want to give yourself a chance. And uh, I feel very fortunate to be in the position uh, I had this year to be able to go to Toronto, uh, you know, with the team, uh, exciting time to be a part of that, that team with the incredible young players and a uh, mix of uh, talent that they have there on the front end and the back end, and, of course, with the, the new additions this summer. So uh, very proud and excited to, to be a part of that. You know, you look at that Toronto Maple Leafs team that you signed under Mike Babcock, and it is definitely a different team than the Leafs team you played under Paul Maurice 10 years ago. In fact, the two stars of this year's Leafs were nine years old at that time. Uh, how excited are you to be able to watch Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, Marner, as well as Nylander, play night in and night out? And do you see yourself going in as having to take a mentorship role to those three guys? Um. You know, I think I see myself going in just to be myself, and I think that's, you know, when a team wants to bring you in, that's, you know, that's how they've evaluated it, and they see you as a fit, and it's just a matter of being yourself, and uh, I think that mentorship kind of happens automatically, but I think every player on a team learns from every other player in, in all sorts of ways. Uh, you know, speaking of Nylander, it's it's kind of funny, and my, my rookie year <laughs> with the Rangers, uh, one of my... My main ping pong buddy was uh, was Michael Nylander, and so uh, going to play with his son now in Toronto is uh, is going to be something special. So maybe he'll be my new uh, ping pong uh, partner there. Wow! You know, we mentioned the ten different teams you played for, but you've played for thirteen different head coaches in your pro career: Glenn Sather, Tom Rennie, uh, Michelle Therrien, Jacques Lemaire, Paul Maurice, Ron Wilson, Lindy Ruff, Peter DeBoer, Jacques Martin. Uh, Guy Boucher, uh, Todd McClellan, Claude Julien, and, and Bruce Cassidy. Uh, is there one coach out of all of those that had the biggest impact on your career? Um, you know, it's, uh, I appreciate you listing them that way. I've never kind of heard them all in a row like that. And obviously some, some tremendous, uh, you know, legendary coaches that I've had the good fortune of playing for. And uh, every one of them has their their strengths uh, that make them make them great and I feel very uh, fortunate to have, have learned from and played for uh, those great great names and I, I think as a player you you know you try and just be yourself and fit into the team and uh, every coach um, has a different way of doing things uh, but I'm excited obviously to you know to to get into Toronto obviously uh, coach Babcock's record uh, speaks for itself, and so um, I'm eager to see, um, you know, uh, get involved in that as well. 
We're talking with Toronto Maple Leafs' Dominic Moore. Uh, during your second stint with the Rangers, up in the press box, we would marvel at your skill in the face-off circle. Uh, you were the Rangers' best face-off man three years running, improving to 55.3% in 2015-2016. I remember talking to you a lot about it, as it's truly one of the skills in hockey that seems to be trending down. If I remember correctly, you gave a lot of credit to your Ontario Junior Hockey League Aurora Tigers teammate Steve Gwynny for teaching you the art. So can you tell our audience a little bit about what Steve taught you and what particular skill set is needed to be successful in the face-off circle? <laughs> well, you guys are really doing your research. I like that. It's, uh, actually, Steve, what he, what he taught me was simply that there's a lot more two face-offs and just kind of going in there and winging it. And, uh, as, as a young player, you know, you, you just kind of watch hockey and uh, you, you look at the face-offs and it looks pretty simple. But, uh, you know, when, when he kind of enlightened me, it was just a matter of, wow, I, I hadn't thought about, you know, all these different things going into a face-off. It was just, there wasn't much thought at all. And, you know, we just spent a few moments and he was he was just saying, well, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? You know, if this guy's doing this, then maybe you want to do that. And, you know, it was just, it was very eye-opening just to think that there was this whole uh, kind of story of face-offs that you, you have to, um, you know, learn and, and think about. And I think that's really the mentality is that, you know, you take it as a craft and that there's there's always more to learn and there's always more to work on. And I think that's kind of the mentality that good, good face-offs guys approach it with. You know, you look at the Leafs center, Iceman, Austin Matthews, Nazim Kadri, and, and Tyler Bozak. Both Matthews and Kadri were under 50% in the circle last season. Bozak was over 56%. How much is there a trickle-down effect? Now you add yourself, a guy that's consistently over 50%, and obviously Bozak, over 50%. How much is there a trickle-down helping the other centers? And is that something that kind of goes throughout the lineup, that as guys continue to win face-offs, it's somewhat contagious? Well, I think obviously you can learn from, from different teammates and uh, in practice and watching them in games and obviously playing with uh, Bergeron, uh, you know, you kind of see some things that he does and maybe pick up on that. But uh, I think there is, obviously, if you have uh, guys that can stay on their strong side more often than not, then it gives you some a better chance of, of winning more draws. But, um, yeah, I think just just kind of working together uh, and, and helping each other out throughout the season, uh, you just hope that, uh, wherever you're at, uh, everyone can improve. Whether you're at 55% or 49, if you get better, then you know that's that's progress. Is there one guy that's been super tough on you in the face-off circle over your career? Um, I mean, there's 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 some very good face-off guys. There's you know a lot of them that are really really good. Obviously, uh, that there's familiar names always in the in the top ten in the league and. Uh, you know that's part of the fun of it is is uh, trying to figure things out and then it's constant adjustment. You, you have a guy's number one game and uh, the next game uh, he'll adjust, or even within games you have his number in the first period and they, they adjust and you got to adjust likewise. So uh, that that's all part of the fun. I'm sure every guy uh, has uh, spurts like that with different guys. 
One of the other things that we talked a lot about up in the press box when you were a Ranger was your role on the penalty kill. Uh, you consistently led all Ranger forwards in penalty killing time, topping more than 170 minutes with the man disadvantage in each of your last two seasons with the Rangers. You're now getting to play for a coach whose teams have consistently had the lowest penalty minutes of any NHL team. From 2005 to 2015, Red Wings averaged 22% fewer penalty minutes than the league average and 44% fewer penalty minutes than the highest league total. That coupled with your strength on the PK could mean an awful lot of trouble for opposing teams. What do you think it is about your style of play that makes you such an effective penalty killer? Uh, well, you know, I think uh, obviously speed counts for a lot, experience counts for a lot, obviously beating plays and uh, knowing how to position yourself, knowing how to read uh, different situations. Uh, you know, a lot of it comes down to instinct when, when you've been doing it for a long time, uh, you know, these reads happen in a split second and, uh, you know, they're, they're, you know, that split second means, means all the difference. Uh, at the same time, uh, you know, no one penalty kills on their own. I think, uh, reading and reacting together as a, as a four man unit, uh, when you're on the kill is, is the name of the game. Uh, if one guy is, um, you know, kind of making a read, but it isn't, it isn't kind of uh, in unison with the rest of the group. Uh, it doesn't work. So uh, communicating well, everyone being on the same page, uh, that's, what, that's the hallmarks of a good kill. We're talking with Dominic Moore. We have him for a few more minutes. You look at your body of work. Every team you have ever played for, you are beloved and respected by your teammates. You've scored 100 goals in the NHL, yet you've been traded six times in your career, waived once by the Wild, signed as a free agent five times by five different teams. November 11, 2003, the night you made your NHL debut against the Montreal Canadiens, getting three assists on the, the night. Could you ever imagine where your NHL career would lead you? <laughs> No, not at all. It's, uh, not at all. I think obviously uh, when I was drafted, I assumed you know have a long career with the with the Rangers. That's I think what every what every player uh, thinks about when they're initially drafted. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough uh, to come back to New York and have some great years there. And I'm fortunate uh, for all the experiences I've had in my career and uh, the different places they've taken me, the different teammates that I've been uh, fortunate enough to play with and. Uh, you know, the memories we've created along the way with uh, teammates and, and friends and uh, obviously, most importantly, family. So uh, it's all part of the fun and uh, very proud of it. Now, I'm wearing an original six T-shirt because I figured it's the best way to cover as many teams as I could possibly do. Ryan, but the but intern, there's nothing on the back. No, there is nothing on the, the back. The other teams aren't R on the back. Ryan, the intern, is wearing his Ranger jersey, and he wanted to ask a question, Ryan, right? You want yeah, to I have get. a question. So we were talking specifically about the face-offs, but just the game in general. How much has uh, technology become a part of like the preparation and the uh, in-game adjustments where we see on TV, we see like the tablets on the bench and the assistant coaches over in your guy's shoulder? How much has that become a uh, part of the game, or is it really more just you're going off instinct in the face-off circle? And just to piggyback on that, because I was actually at the, the hockey shop here in, in Glen Cove, and the difference in sticks as well. Since you broke in, it, the, the difference, the light sticks, the graphite of Garn, completely different from the aluminum shaft, how much has that impacted the game as well? Uh, I don't know how much the, the sticks have affected the face-offs. Uh, you know, I think... Uh, if everyone's kind of using the same technology, it, it, it just comes down to the other tan intangibles or whatever that, that make a face-off guy good. Uh, in terms of the, the other technologies, I think, you know, just, just there's more pre-scouting going on now where you're trying to figure out other guys' tendencies, more video watching, and 
that type of thing with respect to the face-offs. Obviously, beyond the face-off circle, there's lots of uh, analytics and number crunching that goes on right now, and it will continue to uh, progress, uh, you know, following the other sports. And, uh, you know, that's all good, but I, I think uh, as a player, you're, you're focused on just improving your craft. Mm-hmm. Biggest thrill to date for you in your NHL career? Biggest thrill to date, uh, 100% scoring the, the game-winning goal in uh, Game 6 of the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, that, that's uh, a moment uh, that is very, very special and uh, I'll never forget for sure. Biggest regret thus far? <laughs> I don't know if I have any uh, regrets per se. Uh, I mean, I'd have to think about it a bit more, but nothing off the top of my head. Lastly, what is maybe th- losing? Uh, you know, in, uh, <laughs> Smash Fest. Uh, I haven't won Smash Fest yet, so I'll have to try and put a little more practice in for the next couple of years. Nice. Lastly, <laughs> what is the thing you're looking forward to most about the return to one of the greatest hockey cities in the NHL and the Toronto Maple Leafs? Uh, I just uh, extremely exciting time to be a part of uh, that team. Uh, excited to to play with the the group they have there. It's clearly a very special group of players, and what they accomplished last year shows a lot. And hopefully, we can uh, uh, continue to build on that with a uh, you know humble attitude and hard work hardworking uh, approach. And uh, I'm excited to to be a part of that. And, and tell our audience one more time how they can still donate and help Smash Fest. Yeah, like I said, anyone that uh, sounds like they might be interested by SmashFest, go to smashfest.ca, check out what the event's all about, watch watch the videos, and and uh, stay tuned to us. Follow us on social media, Twitter, and and uh, you know when next season rolls around, uh, stay tuned for updates about the date. And uh, I know you guys will be, and I look forward to seeing you guys there. Absolutely, and I look forward to seeing you December 23rd when the Leafs make their first visit with Dominic Moore as a center of the Toronto Maple Leafs. I already have that. Make sure that I'm covering that game. I, I'm at every home game, but I, right. I already circled yeah, that, that, one. Circled. Yeah, that yeah. one. That one circled, so we'll look forward. And it might even make the road trip to that October. I think it's October 9th, early season game up oh, in go. Toronto. So, uh, Dominic, look forward to seeing you. All right, guys. Appreciate it. Thank Our you. pleasure. Dominic Moore, center for the Toronto Maple Leafs.